Thank you for that great singing. I invite you to take your Bible tonight and open up to the book of Revelation and chapter 10. Revelation and chapter 10. I'm excited that we're almost one half finished the entire book of Revelation. Now, if you happen to have your chapter outline that I gave you some weeks ago, you'll notice that um, chapter 6 to chapter 19 deals essentially with the seven years of the tribulation. But if you come down to where it says chapter 10, there's a little uh, red bracket on the, the left through to chapter 11, verse 13, and another little red bracket. It means that this is parentheses. It, what, what it means is that it's parenthetical. It's like uh, the tour bus has pulled over to the side of the road and the, uh, the tour guide has turned around and started to explain so certain things to us as to what's happening. And this is typical of how some of the Hebrew narrative goes uh, in the Old Testament. Remember that the book of Revelation is largely a, a Hebrew kind of book. I believe that it's uh, to be written largely to the, uh, the nation of Israel. They will be the ones who will profit from it. Of course, there'll be uh, many Gentile believers in the tribulation as well. But um, I believe that the, um, the purpose, the, one of the main purposes here of the tribulation is for God to win his people back to himself and that they will recognize the Messiah as Jesus Christ. Well, in chapter 10, we are dealing tonight with the angel and a little book. The angel and a little book. And so if you would bow your head in prayer with me, we'll ask God to bless our study. Our Heavenly Father, we come once more in Jesus' name, asking that you would open to us this book of Revelation. It is an open book, but if you don't open the eyes of our understanding, we won't get much out of it. Heavenly Father, teach us tonight. Help us tonight. I pray for all of the believers that are watching tonight. I pray that you would give them a special blessing, Lord, like you promised for the reading and the hearing from this wonderful book in the Bible, the book of Revelation. And now help us, Lord, to increase in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we have the... Uh, uh, first um, uh, number of seals here, the uh, uh, seventh seal, they're um, uh, mentioned here. And in chapter um, nine, um, we, we, we come through some of these uh, incredible, incredible woes that are poured out upon the earth. And uh, it's, it's phenomenal what's happening here in, in the, the book of Revelation, what will transpire in the world, what we see today around us, particularly with this COVID-19, is preparatory. It's preparing the world for the, some of the horrors that will come upon the world, no doubt. And so let's just get right into chapter 10, which is parenthetical now. It's no longer narrative. The blow-by-blow blow is stopped. We're getting now into... Um, explanation of other things that, that are happening. So in verse 1, Paul, uh, John writes, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. Notice that John says the angel came down. I saw an angel come down. 
That means that John at this point is on the earth witnessing the events. And he speaks here of another mighty angel. Some commentaries claim that this is Jesus Christ. And their reasons for it is that Jesus is often seen as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. And also the fact that there's a rainbow and he has a face like a sun and feet like pillar of fire. And yet, after Jesus became a man on earth, we no longer find him appearing as an angel. There's no need for him to appear that way. And concerning the rainbow and the face like a sun and uh, pillars, uh, feet like pillars of fire, an angel could appear that way. That would not be a problem. There is no reason or any other evidence that Jesus leaves heaven during this time to come down to earth. Keep that in mind. His second coming at the end of the tribulation is to the earth. The rapture is where he comes in the clouds. We're talking tribulation time, the seven-year time. There's no reason for Jesus to come down to the earth. I personally believe that this is exactly what it says. It says, another mighty angel. Well, in verse 6 of chapter 10, it, it says that the angel, after raising up his hand, swear by him that liveth forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that, that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. This proves, I believe, it to be an angel because he's swearing by God the Creator. Jesus is God the Creator. Well, we come to verse 2, and here's the little book. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. This little book, what could that possibly be? Some commentators I've read seem to think that it is the seven-seal book all over again. And yet it's hard to imagine that if Jesus was the only one worthy to open this seven-sealed book, no one else in heaven or on earth was worthy to open the seven-sealed book. It's hard to imagine now that this seven-sealed book is to be given to John so that he can eat it. That's a little bit hard for me to swallow, pardon the pun. It appears, though, that this little book is some sort of book of, of coming judgment, coming judgment upon the earth, and uh, that this is why uh, John was uh, involved with this and not the seven-sealed book. It's called Little, probably because there's not much to it. The events won't take long to fulfill. It's called a book because the things are written down. And it shows the certainty of what's about to happen. It says that it's open. It means that it's, it's open right up. The meaning uh, in it is explained to us. And uh, the angel puts his, his feet on the land and the sea. It involves all of the world's people, wherever they may be found on the planet. This little book, I believe, has to do with what will happen in judgment over land and sea. Now look at verse 3. And he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roareth, and when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. Here the angel cries with a, a loud voice, uh, likened unto a, a lion's roar, a mighty roar. 
Lions, when they roar, can be heard far, far off in the distance. And this roar, this loud voice of the angel, causes seven thunders to start speaking. Now the seven thunders do show authority and judgment. And we see this sort of thing throughout the Bible. But look please at the book of of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. And you'll notice here verse 5. Here's the throne of God Almighty in verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and what's that word? Thunderings. Thunderings. We see it in Exodus chapter 9, 23, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 10, Job chapter 40 and verse 9, Psalm 77 and verse 18. It refers to the very authority of God Almighty speaking. Now we come to verse 4. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. So John is saying that when he heard what they had to say, He was about to write. He had his his quill dipped in the ink. He had his parchment all ready. He was about to write down what he heard them say. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. Now why would John be told not to write these things down? That's a good question, don't you think? Why was John uh, told not to reveal something in the book of Revelation? The book means to, to reveal and to open up and to explain. And here John heard something and he was specifically told, don't write this down. Don't write it down. Why is that? Well, perhaps, this is only my take on it, but perhaps if John had revealed what these seven voices had said somehow it would thwart divine plans for the tribulation the perfect will of God could not be achieved because he was revealing this was some special message that these seven thunders had to say and it was very important that's why John was about to write it down and he was told not to and I believe that uh, perhaps it's a key somehow to the safety of God's people during the tribulation time and perhaps only those who have the ears to hear and know how to listen perhaps those will be the only ones who will be able to to figure it out and so perhaps if if John had written down this important message it would have fallen into the wrong hands in verse 5 the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth Lift up his hand to heaven. And so now he lifts up his right hand to heaven. He's about to make a vow. And here it is in verse 6. And swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are and the earth and the things that therein are and the sea and the things which are therein. That there should be time no longer. We might say, that's it. Time's up. Time no longer. Time is up. Time, you say? Time for what? What is this time that's up? Is it time for people to be saved? Is it time for no more delay? Perhaps, perhaps it's time concerning the mystery that we're about to read in the very next verse. 
And now it's time for this mystery. Look in verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And so here the angel speaks of the mystery of God and that it will be finished with the seventh angel. What is this mystery of God? The New Testament speaks of several different mysteries. We have in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, we have the mystery of iniquity. We have 1 Corinthians 15, 51, the mystery of the rapture of the church. We have Revelation 17, verses 1 to 7. We have the mystery of Babylon. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 32, we have the mystery of the bride of Christ. Romans chapter 11, verse 25, we have the mystery of Israel's blindness. Notice here, though, in verse 7, that it's called the mystery of God. Therefore, it has something to do with God himself. And I think it may have something to do with the apparent silence of God all down through the ages. Have you noticed that, beloved? It seems that God is silent all through the thousands of years. And it seems that God has been silent to the world and God has been silent to his people Israel. In Psalm 50 verse 21, it says, These things hast thou done and I kept silence, God speaking. I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such and one as thyself. But I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Many in the world think that because God is silent, that God doesn't care what they do on the earth. That God doesn't care. He's more busy in other parts of the universe. Because God is silent. If he, if he really was concerned, he should speak up. But God's ways are not our ways. And right is always right and wrong is always wrong. And God is always right. And God has been silent for much of earth's history. And so unsaved man thinks he can get away with his sin. And then, of course, in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days. Now, that's a reference to the tribulation. Saith the Lord, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. The mystery may also have a direct link with Israel's getting saved. Now, I mentioned the two things, God being silent toward the world and being silent toward his people Israel. And this promise of God, we find in Old and New Testament both, this may have a direct link with Israel being saved. When God pours out his spirit upon Israel, it will be on a saved Israel, not an unsaved. Israel needs to be saved for this to happen. I do believe that the first half of the tribulation is bad enough, but the second half gets so incredibly bad. I mean, today we're all saying, oh, COVID-19, COVID-19. We haven't seen anything like this. The world has never seen anything like what we're going through. And this may be true, but there are coming days and judgments upon the earth that will make COVID-19 
feel like a birthday party, a picnic, a walk in the park. People will long for the good old days of COVID-19 when some of the horrendous judgments of God are poured out upon this earth. Mark my words. During the first half of the tribulation, it seems that Israel is favored by the Antichrist and by many in the world. But now in the second half of the tribulation, Israel is now hated. <clears throat> and Satan tries desperately to destroy Israel. What makes the change between being favored and being hated? Well, I can tell you that in the Christian life, I, let me back up. For those who are about to become Christians, the difference is Christ. Before we're saved, we have the world's applause and favor. After we get saved, we have their scorn and their hatred. That's normal. And we may see that on a grander scale. A grander scale. Well, we need to hasten on. We come to verse number 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. And so John here is simply told to go up to that mighty angel and take the little book out of his hand, which he does in verse 9. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And so the angel gives John this book and tells him to eat it. How big was the book? Well, it was a little book, wasn't it? It was just something small. And so maybe it fit right in his mouth. We don't know. Maybe he had to take two or three uh, bites on it. We don't know. But he's told that the book would be sweet to his taste and bitter in his stomach. That's what the angel tells him here. Now, if you don't mind, let's keep our, our place here in Revelation chapter 10. And let's go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah and chapter 15. Would you turn there with me now? Jeremiah chapter 15. 15. We have in verse 16 the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Look what he says. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. And then turn to the right to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 3. Ezekiel and chapter 3. Follow with me, please, as I read the first three verses. Ezekiel chapter 3. Moreover, he said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat it, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. 
And so once again, according to my comment earlier, there is much of the, the Hebrewism in the book of Revelation. And we find the Apostle John, if you would turn now back to Revelation, sort of imitating, if you will, what both Jeremiah and Ezekiel experienced. And so perhaps this, this uh, a sweetness that um, uh, John experienced, perhaps the sweetness refers to the first half of the tribulation and the bitterness refers to the second half. We're not sure. Or perhaps it means that John will not like what is to be poured out upon mankind. We don't know for sure what it is, but it definitely seems to be a prophetic document, this book, little book, concerning what is about to happen upon the earth. And verse 10, And I took the little book out of the angel's hand, and ate it up. And it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. Even though John knew that it was going to turn bitter, he still obeyed. Boy, there's a lesson for us, isn't it? Sometimes we're a little picky and choosy when it comes to what we want to do for God. And oh Lord, I'll, I'll do those things that taste like honey in my mouth. But Lord, don't ask of me to do something that will feel like bitterness in my belly. This coronavirus. Some Christians are getting it around the world. I'm watching the news and I'm, I'm learning of Christians that are getting it. Just because you're a Christian, a born again Christian, does not mean that you're not going to get or you cannot get Corona-19. It could happen to any of us. Another reason why I want you to stay in touch with me. And let me know how you're doing. So I can pray for you. And I can get the other pastors and the deacons. To be praying for you. And we can, uh, we can carry you on our hearts to God. But how can we if we don't know how you're doing? I really appreciate hearing from you. When you send in emails. Send in texts. That, that's important. It means a lot to me. I miss you so much. I carry you on my heart so much. And I, I, I just hurt because we're apart. And I have to preach right now to, to these little cameras and not to your faces. And that's hard on me. John obeyed, even though there was some pain involved. You and I need to obey also when God says, this is the way, walk ye in it. You know, it's, it's not always easy to tithe, particularly if things look a little slim. But I'll tell you what, the promise of God is still on obedience. He promises us if we bring our tithes in, he'll open the windows of heaven. He promises us if we give, it shall be given unto us. God is no man's debtor. God always honors faith. Let's live by faith. Whether it tastes like honey. Or whether it be bitter in our bellies. Amen. Someone type amen. Send that in. Amen. Thank you. Now we come to the last verse. Verse 11. And he said unto me. Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. And so the angel tells 
John that he must prophesy before many more people. Turn back, please, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And we see in verse 4, a very interesting verse. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts. And watch these next words. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. The Apostle John died 2,000 years ago. But his writings are still speaking to us today. Amen to that. Perhaps the book of Revelation will be commonly preached in the tribulation. Maybe when the believers get together, their first request will be, Preacher, preach the book of Revelation. Let's hear from the book of Revelation again. We want to know what's going to happen. And there's will be John, as it were, preaching again. Ah, uh, listen. You may feel at times that God is being silent with you. You may think at times that he's not aware and that he doesn't know what you're going through. But I want you to know that God knows. There's a story told of a man who worked in a small warehouse. And one day, he realized he'd lost his watch. His watch fell off. And he started looking for it. Some of his fellow workers said, what are, you, what are you looking for? I'm looking for my watch. They said, we'll help you. And they searched. They searched and they looked throughout the warehouse and they couldn't find it. And they said, what can we do? They said, it's lunchtime. Let's go eat lunch. And so they went off to the lunchroom. There was a little boy, a small boy that was there. Apparently they had him hanging around. And he was listening and watching what the men were doing. And during the lunch hour, the little boy came in to the lunchroom and said, Mister, I found your watch. I found your watch. And the man said, that's amazing. He said, we all couldn't do it. How did you find it? And the boy said, well, when you all left the warehouse, it was quiet. And I got down on the ground and I put my ear down and I listened for the ticking. I listened for the ticking. You know, that's what we need to do. Listen to the, for the still, small voice of God. Isn't it Psalm 102 where we learn, be still and know that no, that's Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Take heart. God has never left you. He never will. He has given his guarantee, his oath of promise. He will never leave you nor forsake you. If God seems to be quiet, it could be that he's testing your faith. It could be he's chastening you for some sin. It could be possibly that you're not Seeking after him. And you need to seek him with all of your heart. And something else I want to leave with you. John here in this chapter was told to take this little book. And to eat it. Did you know that your life is something like that little book? 
Every one of us as believers in Jesus Christ. We're like a a little book to be read by men everywhere. Someone said that, that you and I are the only Bibles that some people will ever read when they look at our lives and they listen to our speech and they watch us carefully. Will they see Jesus in us? That's the question. Our lives are like that little book. Be sure your life speaks of the things that are important. Take time to be thankful to God. Take time to pray. Take time to read the Bible. To worship Him right in there in your home. Take time to witness to others. If you find the broadcasts a blessing, then send emails or make phone calls and invite your friends to tune in and to watch. Oh, I miss you so much. I, I miss seeing your faces, shaking your hands. I miss fellowshipping with you. I believe, though, that our day will come again. Let's be faithful. Amen. Let's be faithful. Well, in just a moment, we're going to have some, some music and singing. We're going to have an opportunity to be able to give our gifts. On Wednesdays, typically, we've been giving for the bus ministry, but the bus ministry is on hold these days. The buses are not running. And so we're trying to make up shortfalls. And I want to encourage you, please, to give us unto the Lord. You can do that. We've got a little video to show you how safe and easy it is to be able to give an offering online. And I want to encourage you, please keep sending in your tithes, your faith promise for missions. These missionaries are our heroes. They're our partners. They're depending on us for our prayers and our financial support. And missionaries all over the world right now are feeling the pinch, feeling the crunch caused by COVID-19. So many Christians around the world have pulled back on their giving. Folks, we don't have to. We can still be generous because God is generous. And God will use us as channels. Put them to the test and find out for yourself.